This week's episode of We Are Send Network is an excerpt from a breakout session of the May 21st Send Network Gathering. For more content like this, go to sendnetworkgatherings.com. Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Send Network. We're a family, planning churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Holistic discipleship has at its very premise that every person has been created in the image of God and every part of our lives was meant to be redeemed for the glory of God. And so when we're looking at people moving uh, people forward in the relationship with Christ, we're really asking how can God get the greatest glory in every part of that life where they spend the most time and really also where they have the greatest problems. And so the problems of people in your church and my church uh, are really a microcosm of our city's problems. And this idea of holistic discipleship has really created uh, for us at Christ Fellowship Church in Tampa a direction that focuses on asking a question, how does Jesus get the greatest glory through the people he's invited us to disciple and mentor in our neighborhoods, uh, at their places of work, in their job, in their relationships, in their marriage, uh, in job creation? In fact, growing up, uh, I actually never heard any church talk about a theology of work or a theology of job creation or theology of economics or business startups or a theology of gospel penetration to our neighborhoods or a gospel uh, understanding of hospitality or a theology of freedom over addiction. And these are where your city and my city uh, is hurting. It's where the greatest problems are. And we know that because that's where people in our church really have the greatest problems. And it's because we have the opportunity to disciple and mentor these people, God gives us a solution for not only the city, but he does it through the people that God's inviting us to disciple, to see their lives transform. And then they present into the city the best testimony of a transformed life for the very needs and hurts of the city. In fact, even the best of churches, I've found many times their vision for the city gets reduced to a very comfortable place of worship that never cracks into the fabric of the city. In fact, most churches were really good on Sunday, but if the truth be known, we're probably insignificant and inconsequential where most people spend their time, where they live, where they work, where they play. Uh, in fact, the gospels rarely felt really strongly in our workplaces, and our neighborhoods. And when you couple that with the fact that most of us have limited resources, uh, we can think, well, listen, I'm not even going to venture into some of these areas because I wouldn't even know what to do. Very early on when we started Christ Fellowship Church just nine years ago, we started realizing that God's vision for the city uh, was much bigger than what we thought we could accomplish. It came with a larger price tag. It came with greater amounts of time and skill and money and planning and leadership than we thought we had even at our fingertips. We all struggle with underfunded visions, a lack of leadership and a realization that sometimes we're not even making a dent 
and the number of people in the city coming to Christ. In fact, if you know what that struggle's like, then uh, click on the hand button uh, that's on this webinar and raise your hand because I'm with you. In Matthew 9, Jesus um, understanding this whole area of fixing the greatest problems in people's lives through the gospel and through holistic discipleship uh, really uh, came about. In Matthew 9, verse 35 and 38, you no doubt know the scripture extremely well. It says, And Jesus went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when Jesus saw the crowds, it says he had compassion for them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then this is really significant, these six words right here. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In fact, Jesus' ministry at this point has had, I mean, just crazy success, hasn't it? I mean, if any of us could go one out of 10 for healing people, we would be writing books and people would be writing books about us. And Jesus goes 100 for 100 in the middle of such crazy success. He gets sick to his stomach, the Bible tells us, because he realizes that even with all the success, there's a problem. And that is there's people that he is seeing, people in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in our, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, and places we play, in restaurants. And when he looks around, what makes him sick is they are shepherdless. He has nobody watching over their soul. He has nobody that he can see that's involved in their lives enough to say, hey, how does Jesus transform every one of the areas of your life where you've experienced problems? How does Jesus get the greatest glory through your life in the neighborhoods that you live in, the workplaces where you uh, have jobs? And this is your city and my city's issue right here. You and I ought to get sick also when we look at the significance of the problem and the, um, the, the lack of leaders. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he does something different than I probably would have done. And it's found in those six words. In fact, it says right here, then he said to his disciples, when Jesus looks at the problem, and then he looks at the people with the problem that are next to him. And then he looks at the disciples. The disciples are not A-level. They're not even B-level. In fact, he calls them into doing something that actually they have no ability to do apart from the work of Christ in them. In fact, they are probably people that you and I, these disciples, would never hire on our staff at our church. And I want to give you a thought here. Every time that God calls us into a God-sized vision to solve the problems of our city, to disciple others who have problems, he invites us to start with what he's already given us. In fact, this is really a test to see if we can be trusted with more. Your vision for your city starts with the people that God has already placed around you, not the people you want to be on your staff. It starts with the resources you currently have, not the ones you want. In fact, when we started Christ Fellowship nine years ago, um, 
we had a few people that said they wanted to stay from the previous church that was meeting in the building that we were given. It was an old building that had not been uh, renovated in several years. And so there was a few uh, people in their 80s that were part of the original church when we started, left over from the previous church. There was about three head injury patients that were from the previous church. Uh, we had given them the opportunity to find some other churches that said, no, we want to be part of the new church. And so we quickly uh, then reached a number of college students and a number of homeless families. And so we were quite an interesting group of people when you walked in on day one when we started Christ Fellowship. We had people in their 80s and 90s, a handful of college students, some head injury patients, and uh, a number of homeless families. And that was the start of our congregation. And I, in my heart, in my pride and arrogance and selfishness, secretly longed for people that were more put together, that were younger, that were cooler, that were um, more able to connect with the city that was around me. What I did not understand then that I understand now is that is the perfect opportunity that God gives you with the people he's placed around you to see God do a miracle. And so to the great grandmothers, they started inviting their great grandsons who were 17, 18, and 19. And then our college students started connecting with them. And to the homeless, uh, we started asking God, how do you want to see them transform uh, their lives in the area of where they live and in their jobs? And they started asking us the question of, God, what, what's your will and plan for giving people shelter and food and, and, and a job that they not only can um, make a living for themselves, but jobs that can create other jobs for other people. Uh, for our college students, they started having this vision for how they could reach people in their dorms. And what we saw God do, because we started with the people that God gave us, we have seen hundreds and hundreds of people give their heart to Christ. In fact, Christ Fellowship still is about 65% from no church background. About 80% of the people that attend Christ Fellowship are really first-generation believers. That is what happens when you start with the people that God gives you, when you start with the neighborhood, when you start with the people that God has placed in close proximity around you. And when you use what you have, it's a test to see if God can trust you with more. That is how God funds his work. That is how God leads us to start churches that have faith as the foundation for it. So Jesus used what he had over and over again. It's interesting. Whatever was at his fingertips, that's where he started. It's a powerful testimony. When he healed the blind man, he took dirt and spit. He could have said, hey, you're healed and said something, but he used what was close by at his fingertips. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he could have said, hey, Chick-fil-A for everyone, but he didn't. He took what was at his fingertips, a few loaves and fishes, and he took what was already there, he multiplied it, and he miracleized it. And why did he do that? Because when you start with the people that are in your 
uh, close proximity to you. They have been placed in close proximity to you so they can be placed in close proximity to Jesus. The neighborhood around Christ Fellowship uh, was uh, Cuban, Puerto Rican, uh, it was Dominican, it was uh, black, it was white, it was um, with a growing number of Asians moving in, it was extremely diverse. So when we started Christ Fellowship, our goal was not necessarily to be diverse, our goal was simply to take what God had placed at our fingertips around us and reach the people, lest we say, God, I'd rather be some kind of other church than the church with the people that you've already placed around us. We didn't want to tell God that we had a better vision for this area than he did, that we had better people than he did. And so God showcases his glory always by doing the extraordinary through the ordinary. And how he does the ordinary is he says, hey, what is the money I've given you? What's the vision? What are the resources? What are the people that I've given you? And every time we took what God had already given us to use, he expanded his vision and he funded his work. And so Jesus takes the disciples and says, hey, go get it, man. This is the mission field that I've given you. And these people are not perfect. In fact, they are problematic. They make me sick because they are lost. They are shepherdless. And that's what Jesus is calling you and I to do. God calls us to disciple the people holistically we have right now where no area of their life is untouched. And here's the question to ask. God, what have you already given me to be used for your glory? People, ideas, connections, um, relationships, the neighborhood. God, what have you already given me to be used for your glory? Now, I want you to stop. I want you to listen. I want you to hear from God. In fact, I want you to jot down a couple notes. God, who is it you've placed around me that needs to be discipled? God, what resources do you, have you given me that need to be redeployed to uh, disciple people to see God heal them in the greatest problems of their life so they can be a testimony to heal the greatest problems in our city? And I want you to ask every person on your team also. You have a launch team or you have a group of key leaders or elders in your church. You might want to gather them back together and say, hey, what has God given you to be placed for his disposal for your glory? What relationships has he placed in your life to disciple others? In fact, as we were spending time discipling college students, we realized one of the biggest needs that they had, one of the biggest problems that they had was they couldn't get good jobs. They needed to be employed. And so we asked my wife and I, hey, God, what's in our hands um, that you have? We had an empty garage in our house. And so um, I told my wife, maybe we could um, park our cars on the street, use our empty garage, and we could take um, furniture that was broken down that people were either giving away or selling on um, Facebook. We could refinish that furniture and teach college students how to refinish, or refinish furniture. And then we could resell it. And then they could 
make money. They could get a job that paid them maybe $15 or $20 an hour versus just eight or nine. So we started buying mid-century modern furniture and that was broken. And we taught college and say, Bruce, how did you know how to refinish furniture? Did you grow up that way? No, my dad didn't know anything about fixing anything. I heard of a friend of mine that was a pastor that refinished furniture. And so I started watching YouTube videos on how to refinish furniture. And then I'd had the college student watch them with me. And then together, we would refinish the furniture. We would strip it. We would sand it. We would stain it. Then we would photograph it like some of the dealers were. And then God would allow us to resell it. Now, what happened was this, is as we were discipling college students, as we were sensing the needs in their life that Jesus needed to transform, what would happen is then their testimony to other people, when people ask them, hey, where do you work? They would say, oh, my pastor at my church, Christ Fellowship Church, we started this business. And they'd tell their family, and they're telling their friends, and they would connect the dots back to a Jesus that has much to say about employment in a world that is in need of employment. And the gospel gets unleashed through every person that purchased from us. Our college students and myself, when people would come and say, hey, I, wanna, I want to uh, buy that piece of furniture. I saw y'all were selling it online. How did y'all do this? How'd y'all start the business? And we would tell them we started it to originally employ college students and to teach them how to work and refinish furniture. And they say, oh man, that's amazing. And then we get the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And what it did for our college students and what it did actually for our neighborhood is it gave us street cred in our neighbors as they then found us as the source for the problems, for their decorating, for their other needs. In fact, they'd share it with other people and other people would come and say, hey, I heard you're part of that group that started this business. One of the greatest problems we found in our city um, was how to disciple people and how to raise their children and the children in their neighborhoods. And one thing we found out was Tampa had the largest grouping of orphans and children in foster care in the entire state of Florida. In fact, on a given day, it goes up and down. There can be between 3,500 and 4,000 orphans or children in foster care without parents. And so we just said, hey, God, what do we have in our hands? What are these friendships you've given us with our neighbors? And so we realized that many of these foster kids, these 4,000 foster kids on Christmas would not have somebody make over them and give them a really, really nice gift. So what do we do? We just started saying to the people in our church that had started coming, hey, what do you think about us loving the children in the city that nobody gives a rip about, that people really don't care about. What if we love children that were in foster care? And my wife and I had a real heart for it, and other people in our church do, because two of my kids actually came out of foster care in Tampa, and we adopted them. And man, we've been blessed tremendously through seeing their lives healed and transformed. And so 
we just started giving orange bags that we bought for pennies on Amazon to our neighbors and said, hey, in about four days, we're going to pick the orange bag up at your front door, or you can drop it by our house, or people would take the orange bags to their work. We had a guy who was an attorney, and he took 20 orange bags to the attorneys he works with at the bank that employs him. We said, hey, would you put a gift, the best gift you can afford for a foster child, for an orphan in the Tampa Bay area? And so the first year we did it, we had over 4,000 gifts given for foster kids and orphans in the Tampa Bay area. And every year since then, we followed the same pattern. Hey, God, if you placed us in a city with this kind of problem, then God, you must have a solution for the problem. Well, what that did was it allowed us to talk to our neighbors and people in our church would talk to their coworkers about the problems of foster care. And it made the aspect of adoption and fostering, it brought it front and center in the Tampa Bay area. In fact, that's what God does. Every time that God sees a problem, he has compassion for the people in that problem. And as you say, God, what have you given me to be a part of that? God, what have you given? Well, God gave us a few people in our church when we started, and then God gave them lots of neighbors and coworkers and, and other college students in the dorm with, and so we started with what we had. Listen, we did the same thing for Hillsborough County uh, Sheriff's Department. They had needed emergency bags uh, for Department of Child and Family Services when they had to rescue a child out of a bad situation and the, the kids needed a snack and they needed a bag with some toothbrush because they were going to be yanked from their home and put in in a short-term facility until a foster home could be ready for them. So we put together emergency bags. We've done the same thing by by uh, crowdsourcing with our neighbors uh, through our church and co-workers for canning hunger. Um, we've done the same thing as we crowdsourced Hey, one time we had a couple and they came to faith in Christ. And we said, um, hey, um, uh, um, and they got baptized and their life was changed. And we, we said to them, what do you think God's doing in your life? And this guy was an award-winning five-star chef. And he goes, well, I can tell you one thing, man, I moved from a great job, a great restaurant in Dallas. and." I uh, joined up with some guys in Tampa to start some restaurants here, and I'm just not feeling comfortable about this relationship. Um, and as we discipled this couple that had come to faith in Christ that were amazing chefs, God placed in their heart the need to make amazing gluten-free desserts and baked goods for people that were in the Tampa Bay area that had celiac disease or were gluten-free. In fact, they became so good at it that uh, recently they sent 36 gluten-free carrot cakes to one of the nicest hotels in the Tampa Bay area, and they uh, send gluten-free desserts and cakes to be resold at hotels and coffee shops and things like that simply because we had a rundown kitchen in our church, and they were uh chefs and god gave them a vision for seeing jesus enter 
into the gluten-free market, into people that had celiac disease. I mean, who know? Who knew how many thousands of people in the Tampa Bay area had that problem? But Jesus knew. And when you disciple people and you say, hey, how does Jesus enter into your job? How does Jesus enter into that? The problems that God is solving in their life become the testimony that God uses to help solve the problems that are in your city. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.